0: Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Let's do these things, ladies and gentlemen, as we are off to the races once again. Another episode of It's Me Speaking to You. Thank for you guys for hanging out. I know there's a lot of options out there for podcasts, so I appreciate your time. As always, support the show, support the sponsors. All the links to our sponsors are in the description of this episode. You know, it's cool to link up with this guy again. Recently had him on. God, when was it, Matt? It was last last summer. He was on the Conspiracy Farm yeah. talking about season one of his podcast, Solving JFK. And he's about to be dropping season two. We're going to talk all about it, talk about the book he's got coming out, talking about the show he's got coming out on Paramount+. He is joining us today, Matt Crumpton. He is the producer and host of Solving JFK. What's up, my friend?
1: What's going on, Jeffrey? How you doing, man?
0: I am doing very well, man. I'm doing very well. Every day I've got above ground a good day around this bitch, so enjoying the day, man. Nice fall afternoon here, getting to chop it up with you here about one of my favorite subjects. This is kind of what, you know, granted this show isn't necessarily just about conspiracies, but as it relates to conspiracies, this is the Mount Rushmore. This is the, I'm sorry, Mount Olympus. This tops Mount Olympus is the first one that really got me into it, man. But um, yeah, so season one, let's recap a little bit of what, what we talked about. On the conspiracy farm about season one How you got started and what you got going on now
1: Yeah thanks Uh, So the podcast is called Solving JFK And the idea Is to Have a meticulous Podcast that breaks down every single Issue instead of just starting at a random point We start at the beginning we go cover the whole thing And in particular Cover uh, what the arguments Are from each side on each Little issue so in season 1 we had 27 episodes recap and rebuttal episodes uh but we we looked at you know everything from the rifle and the paperwork for it and how did Oswald get it in the building and you know how did Oswald leave and uh, the the evidence around the JD Tippett murder and Oswald's arrival at the tech and then um, all the way to you know Ruby killing Oswald, you know Oswald gets arrested, then Ruby kills Oswald, and that's kind of where we left off. We didn't go into any you know any of the CIA stuff or even any of the Cubans or anything like that. We'd, you know and we also didn't look at Oswald as a person, you know these these main issues when it comes, that you would look at in any criminal case, yeah. right? If it was like a you know one of these one of these true crime shows. So that's season one, and we ended up having fifteen issues in the the conclusion episode, which is episode twenty-seven. We had fifteen issues finding on, and eight of them leaned conspiracy, uh, in other words, leaned towards there being multiple gunmen or Oswald not being involved, and then seven of them were inconclusive. But I did not find any that were, you know, armed to be. Uh, in defense of the official story. Uh, I did find, like I said, uh, seven of them to be inconclusive. So you, we can always talk about the individual little facts on all those, but at any rate, so now what we're looking at is, is we get into season two and we left off like the first, because when the last episode came out, so season two, uh, we're going to dive into so season one was, uh, did the Warren report get it right? That was season one. Season two is who was Oswald really? All right. So <laughs> we are re- Rachel Sharp focused on Lee Harvey Oswald as a person and around him, too. So we'll look at, you know, we we start at the very beginning and look at Oswald's, you know, his time as a kid growing up. Uh, We look at him going into the Marines, going to Russia. This Civil Air Patrol is a
0: huge part, is it not? Him serving in that Civil Air Patrol down in New Orleans?
1: Civil Air Patrol. That's right. Summer of 1955. I'm in the the heart of writing that episode right now. (laughs) Isn't that where he Um, wound up his first
0: interactions with David Ferry?
1: It is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was really disputed. And uh, there are 12 witnesses that in the Civil Air Patrol with David Ferry, without a doubt. So uh, that's definitive. Um, So that's pretty interesting. Uh, But anyway, so we covered that. And then we was also going to come back to uh, General Walker, um and the alleged general Walker shooting nation attempt. And then we'll also come back to the backyard photos and uh, do an episode on that, which I'm not really looking forward to because I still I like oscillate on those. <laughs> I really don't I don't know how I feel and I've looked at all I feel like I've looked at all the information, but um it's it's pretty weird. but at any rate it, it, wait, and you, um, when you say that as far as like the, the authenticity
0: two. of those photos, like the backyard photos like what, what gives you consternation about getting oh. into that?
1: Yeah, like okay. Here, here's my biggest problem with them. Like, I understand the whole like the, you know, Oswald said he even said, "Hey, this is you know someone's photoshopped clear. They they've cut out." That wasn't the word he used, <laughs> but they've they've you know cut out my face and superimposed it on someone else's body, and right. I'll be able to prove it's it. what he said to the cop. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I think like my only challenge with that is that they see. I, I used to think obviously this is a fake photo, right? Most of the other evidence tends to lean towards the conspiracy side of things, right? Like, in my view, right, as I've laid out in season one. Um, so, so it's easy to go, well, then this is probably fake. But the thing I get caught up on is the HSCA had a photographic panel um, mm-hmm. of, I want to say, photographic experts, and not a single one uh, uh, disagreed with the the finding that you know th- this was original. Uh, and there had been no, no alterations. And they get into all this granular detail about like the markings on the film and yada, yada, yada. But I just, you know, at least with a medical panel, you have Cyril Wecht dissenting. Yeah. You don't, there's not really, you know, you, you kind of have to go, I don't know, all these experts are wrong and I'm right. <laughs> and I'm not really an expert on photographs, right? Well, and I don't know. But, if,
0: I, I don't know if Lee actually said that either, what you said about, you know, but he, one of part of his stops in life was that at Sugi Air Base where he was basically an, an analysis an analyst if you will for all this photographic satellite stuff so i mean he, he knew right. i mean i think when they arrested him or at his house or whatever he had all these like thousands of dollars worth of photographic equipment well, so he knew his stuff is related to photography
1: and then he worked at jaggers Child stovall yes that was like he gained real expertise there in, in, in photography so yeah he, he knew what he was doing um but but you know the thing is when i look at his face to to me, I think it's possible that the photograph is not a forgery, like that the, the photo, um, and it's not Oswald in the photograph. Uh, that's kind of that's that's kind of where I lean. Um, well, and that gets but, into the but,
0: the notion of the two Oswalds.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then there's also the whole thing about Roscoe White. Yes, and I don't know, like because there's White in the exact same pose, like in the exact same place. It, you know, it's like. Did they just cut out his head and it's Roscoe White's body? Like, I don't. Why do they have a? Why do they have those photos? You know, so and, and not weird. to just
0: drop a name without qualifying. Roscoe White, if I remember correctly, is one. I, I, apparently, there's been several people who supposedly this was, but he supposedly was the badge man, the policeman behind the picket fence firing the headshot. Am I correct?
1: Yes, and um, I haven't. So I'll tell you, Di Eugenio uh, thinks that that's ridiculous, and and so. So that's given me some pause on that for sure.
0: Well, then you got the fight. I think his name's James Files. Uh, uh, he's another one. Files, he's...
1: yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, Rusko White, there's a whole thing of, like, his son found this, like, footlocker that had all this stuff in it. And it's like, yeah, I, I think it's worth investigating in season three, uh, to answer the Rusko White stuff. I don't, you know, I, I don't really know. But, um, but anyway, so ba- back to season two, uh, we're going to start out with, Paul Landis. So out of the gate, I'm going to do a Paul Landis episode. I'm not going to really get into the meat of season two until probably like like the third episode. Um, we're gonna we'll start out with Paul Landis, and I'm just diving into his allegations and all of his prior statements. And it's not it's not a rosy picture. I'm 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 disappointed with uh, my the outcome of my research on Paul Landis.
0: H- help me out. Uh, That's the honestly first time I'm hearing that name. Who is Paul Landis?
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul Landis is the um he he came forward in like September um and and there was a story in the New York Times about it about he was one of the secret service agents. He's he was the one on the right side that was responsible for Jackie. The one on the left side's Clint Hill, the guy that jumped onto the, right. the limo. Okay. And, and so Landis says that when he got to Parkland Hospital, he got in the back seat to to help Miss Kennedy out and in the back in JFK, like where the the top of the back seat meets like the 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 car, um, like the metal of the car. He said there was a fully intact bullet, mm. but, and he and he picked that bullet up, put it in his pocket, and then uh, tried to trauma room one, and put that bullet at the president's feet on the president's stretcher, because he he thought well then that that way they could process it in the autopsy, and he says that the bullet he found is CE three ninety nine.
0: Okay, maybe we did touch on that in season in that last time you were on. Anyway, yeah, yeah. interesting, interesting.
1: No, well it 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 just happened. It just happened. Yeah, it's kind of it was kind of like a a big a big story. Um but but at at any rate, uh what's crazy is the story is pushed by NBC News. Like all all the all the that's who published it, who like pushed the story the most. It didn't the media. Pretty interesting. But um I, I did a deep dive on all of his prior statements, Paul Landis. Uh, and you know, he gave a six page report right after the assassination. He doesn't talk at all about, um, about finding this bullet he talks about all these other little details like, Oh, I found Jackie's lighter and her cigarettes and her purse and her hat. And I picked those things up off the back seat. You're going to mention that in your statement, but you're not going to mention that you've picked up a fully intact bullet and put it on the president's stretcher.
0: What Jackie had a pack of squares in right? the limousine with her? Crazy right?
1: to me. Yeah, man, she was she was smoking. So she was yeah, man, back in the day. That was, I guess it that is a, a thing, little, right?
0: Yeah, I guess it's a little different back then. Anyway, yeah, okay.
1: But but um but at any rate uh, so you know because if if Landis is telling the truth, then. Game of uh, single bullet theory, it's over. Well, I mean, right? between that—that's that, the bullet that came out. Came
0: well, out. yeah, between that and uh, James Tag, that just blows the whole three bullets out of exactly. the water.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, so that's the significance of it. So, you want to believe it if you're like someone conspiracy side. You're like, oh, this is a puzzle piece that fits perfectly, but. He gave several other statements over time. I don't want to give the whole episode away, but sure, long story yeah. short, he's given a lot of other inconsistent statements where he never mentioned it, but he did mention other details that, like, are far less important. You would, you would think, he would have brought. It. I don't think he's telling the truth, unfortunately. So, well, and, so and, we, I kind of dive into that. And
0: so, like, why now? Like, why? You know, Jesus, sixty years later, you exactly. This is, yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, and what's what's weird is he's from the same suburb of Columbus, Ohio, that I'm from. <laughs> that i live in now really uh he doesn't, he doesn't live here he loses i'm gonna see he's gonna beat this conference i'm going to this weekend um let, let, let's let's jump over to that real quick um so it's the 60th anniversary there's all these jfk assassination conferences that are happening yeah uh there's sev- several in dallas the one i'm going to is the big one in pittsburgh it's the 60th anniversary cyril wecht conference at, at duke University. and uh it's got all the big names uh, in the in the conspiracy world. Alec Baldwin will be there. It's exciting. Uh, Careful, <laughs> kind of a polarizing name. Like you know, my feeling on Alec Baldwin <laughs> is that uh, Jack Donaghy was hilarious, and that's I'm not going <laughs> to focus regarding Alec Baldwin when I see him. I'll talk about JFK and I'll talk about Donaghy, and that's it. Anyway, um, but at any rate, uh, third rock, so third rock fun.
0: reference, ladies and gentlemen. That's who yeah, Jack Donaghy was. So-
1: yeah, so I'll I'll be there uh, in yeah, Pittsburgh it. Wednesday through Friday, for the big. Con- tomorrow I will be in Cincinnati with James Di Eugenio, my co-author, and our book comes out tomorrow, and then I'm hosting a talk with him at the Mercantile Library, this fancy library-like event center in uh, downtown Cincinnati. Well, you, you can't
0: just gloss over that and that name you guys got a book coming out and he's was one of the he was participant to talk about that how would you link up with him and who that is and what you guys got going on
1: yeah he james um uh is what first of all he's he's oliver stone's like close friend and he's oliver stone's go-to expert on the jfk ss um he is he wrote the script for the most recent Oliver Stone documentary, uh, JFK revisited through the looking glass. So that's, and won a bunch of awards. Uh, and he's written several other JFK assassination books, including reclaiming parkland, which was the first book that I paired arguments from each side. like at the same time, Hmm. like he was breaking down Bugliosi point by point. And that, that kind of was the impetus for, you know, the idea of my podcast just to kind of go point by point. But, um, uh, what else? He, he so so he's done all these different all these different books. Destiny, a great book that he has about Oswald's time in New Orleans and as, as it relates to Cuba. Um, but uh, at any rate, he how did you is, link up uh, with him? How do you guys link up? Yeah, I, I met him in Dallas uh, last year at the uh, Kappa conference, Citizens Against Political Assassinations. <laughs> <laughs> First thing, right? <laughs> I'm against political assassinations. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yes, I am too. Yeah. Oh, great. Wow. Um, so, uh, I randomly met him and, uh, long story short, like me and the two other guy, me and him and the two other guys were sitting there basically complaining about how long we had to wait to get rental cars. Cause there was a big, like junior lacrosse tournament in Dallas that weekend. And in our complaining about getting rental cars, we, uh, we were like, Hey, we need to, we should go get a drink somewhere. So then we went to go get a drink and kind of ended up talking and, And then the next day, we went to lunch together after we went down to Dealey Plaza. And and I didn't know these guys. We all just kind of like, you know, you go to a thing and you become like short-serving friends with uh, single-serving friends. Is that what it is from Fight Club? Yeah. (laughs) He talks about. Um, So that's what I thought it would be. But we started talking, uh, and the French guy, Paul Blow, he's a JFK assassination game. Um, He's a professor at at Quebec City. Um, he he started uh, basically bringing up, hey, there are these certain topics that are indisputable. Like some things we're going to be debating about forever, but some things have already been proven, like absolutely beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, those things they're like a chokehold. He kept saying, right? Mm. So we're sort of listed. Well, what are the things that are indisputable that you absolutely you know you can't argue? And that and then this is where we brought in another one of the guys was a lawyer, uh, Mark Adamzik. Um, he's like a JFK records act, but, uh, along with Andrew Eiler, uh, who, who's another one of our, uh, authors, he he wasn't at the conference, but he, he came in later, but at at any rate, um, we kind of all, you know, took a few chapters. Um, mine were the two I did was, uh, Oswald could not have been in place on the sixth at 1230. And the other one was, uh, Oswald was impersonated by intelligence. And so the standard we went with in this book is clear and convincing evidence, which is like you know seventy five percent. So beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's like ninety nine. Clear and convincing seventy five. Preponderance hmm. is fifty one. Right. We decided seventy five is the move. So I would you know Oswald was impersonated. That one's a ninety nine. But Oswald couldn't have been on the sixth floor. That one's a seventy five. You uh, say he I, was I impersonated. While- impersonated that day. No, he was impersonated.
0: Period. Oh, okay, Mexico and all that other stuff.
1: Mexico, but also that. And there's people who see him coming out of the back of the book depository. You got five people who see him. There's people that see him. You know, there's the the guy uh, that see, sees him at Mac Pate's garage. I think his name is T.F. White, uh, the the mechanic that that saw him and it led to Carl Mack vehicle, the the military contractor. I don't know if you're familiar with all that. Mm-hmm. He's covered in season one of the podcast, but yeah, there's there's uh, a lot of uh, that's in the J.D. Tippett episode. Um, yeah, the, just to touch base on it while well, I'm talking about it now. After Oswald had been arrested at the Texas theater uh, over, a guy saw somebody acting suspicious in a car. And then he went up, looked at the guy, the guy looked him in the eyes, and then drove away. And when the guy drove away, he wrote down the license plate, and then later he saw on TV Oswald, and he goes, "That's the guy I saw in the car is, is Oswald. But Oswald was in custody, possible. Interesting. Um, and then somebody he wrote he wrote the license plate number down. They ran the license plate and it came back to Carl Mather, who's a who's a uh, some sort of um, intelligence contractor. But he's J.D. Tippett's best friend. Wow. Carl Mather testified to uh, the Select Committee on assassinations and uh, and he, he wanted immunity to testify. Uh, they refused to grant him immunity. And so he just pled the fifth for every question.
0: Wow. You're dropping names I've never necessarily heard of. One question before you go on, and you said you had mentioned you hung out with like a French guy um, at the conference or whatever. And I'm not sure if you remember seeing uh, the many part series, The Men Who Killed Kennedy, where they asserted there was a French role, some French ah. assassins. Did, did your French friend bring up any of that? Because I found that interesting because I'd never heard anything about that until I saw that series, which. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: He's French Canadian. <laughs> so. But but yeah, he speaks French for sure. Um uh no, not really. I okay. think what you're we talking about is the Corsican, the Corsican mafia yes, guy. Yes, Which is which is I think they speak French there. And uh, uh it, it, I think his name is uh Merz or uh you know, something like that, some sort of name like that. This is like, I've been aware of this stuff for a long time, but I have not dove into that because it's just kind of like you know, I know I'm gonna have to cover Oswald's background in depth, so let's, let's just do that. For, like, there's so many rabbit holes that no, for sure, cover, but, so um, many, so many. Just yeah, curious. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the uh, you know, just for for uh, so okay, the book chokehold. So it's called JFK Assassination Chokeholds. It's out tomorrow, November fourteenth, um, and, and it on paperback and ebook. The hardcover. Will be everywhere else. It'll be like eventually, like you know, Target, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, all that stuff. Look it at you, I don't know if it'll look be. At in, you. Congrats, bro! It'll be online. Thank you. Yeah, um, and we we self published. I learned how to do all that. That was a crazy learning <laughs> experience. I kind of want to write more books now. <laughs> um, so that's good. But I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the um the movie. Okay, so then I have this movie coming out, and it comes out tomorrow also. <laughs> And so tomorrow's a big day. Yeah. It is. Uh, now it's on Paramount Plus. So it's like clearly the biggest thing ever done, but I haven't seen the movie. So the producer's telling me, like, hey, you know, you should talk about it when you go on podcast, promote it on your show. I'm like, I don't know if you guys even put me in this thing. <laughs> and like, I don't know if you made me look stupid or what. I filmed for seven hours. It was just me. They have a whole day of just me filming.
0: Mm. yeah you definitely want to see that final cut you definitely want to peep that i mean i'm sure they're not going to clown you but you just never know
1: know. i know right so i i posted about it once and i've just been quiet about it since then just because i don't i don't know but uh tonight at midnight you know 1201 i will be watching that that show see what's what but yeah so in the title again and where can we find i'm going to be driving i'm sorry it's called. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus. Mm. It's called uh, JFK: What the Doctors Saw, and basically the the premise is they have like forty five minutes or an hour of, of like high def. They've they've you know they they learn how to clean up footage now of older things, and they've they've made really high you know clear footage of this reunion of the Parkland doctors from the nineties when they were all living, and it's never been seen before. Hmm. So they basically are taking that original, so that's the new stuff, and then they're packaging it with three talking heads, like a centrist, a super conspiracy guy, and like a super establishment guy. Gerald Posner. And I, I just joking. And I, well, the 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 establishment guy is uh, Doctor Michael Bodden Oh B-A-D-E-N. yeah, very familiar with him. Yeah 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 yeah. Um, and uh, and then the conspiracy guy is Doug Horn. Who is, you know, he's he's kind of the man. Uh, I I hope he doesn't uh, isn't mad at me when I meet him in Pittsburgh because I I disagree with him about whether or not a helicopter picked up the body and took it and then landed at the morgue. He says that happened. I just don't see any evidence for it at all.
0: Took the body. Explain that. We I mean,
1: talk. I talk about it in one of one of the medical episodes, but basically, like this is the whole body swap theory of like of uh, you know the two caskets and you know all, all that stuff um and you know how did his, his head and his body look so different in the x-rays uh, right. versus when it left parkland you know there are all these changes and so one of the theories is that uh there were two bodies and one of them was taken by you know as soon as all the reporters left the they landed at the air force base um I forget the name of the main air force base there but when when they they landed Andrews. Uh, hel- helicopter Andrews yeah helicopter took the real body to the to the morgue so they could be working on it and the and the other casket was it was not that there's two bodies that the casket that was like the pomp and circumstance they thought had Kennedy that was actually empty and they mm. took his body cheap casket in in a chopper and there's a report the, uh, there's like there's like some report of someone saying that the body arrived 30 minutes earlier, but uh, there's no witnesses at all that report seeing a helicopter land. So like it's just. There's no evidence for it. like you maybe it's possible, but I don't think it's like it's not in the it's not like in the realm of things that are supported by evidence. Just well, it's possible. it
0: sounds like one of those things, yeah, where it's probably just kind of convolutes and monies the muddies the waters. but it seems like something occurred. like they did something to his head to make it look like x, y z to cover up the they did something something happened,
1: yeah. But the question gets into well, when exactly? When yeah, they, if yeah. If you're talking to somebody that knows the case, well, they're going to go when. Tell me the timeline of when you allege these things happened exactly, right? So, so that. But but if anybody knows, he's just some guy. He was the head of the medical records for the ARRB. That's Doug Horn's background. Yeah. So he's the conspiracy guy. I'm the centrist. That was my role. That I. That's my. I'm sort of like the. uh Hey, let me tell you, hey, I'm the guy who's had a podcast for five days. Let me tell you why the two experts are wrong. No, but
0: you, you do, and I mentioned this in our first conversation Seriously. on the farm, you, you do a great job of kind of objectively looking at this information. You don't necessarily come out of the box with like, here, I'm, I'm saying this information that just fits the side I've already you know, established for myself. You do a good right. job of being pretty objective. I mean, we've talked kind of off air before. I mean, yes, your leanings are a little bit more towards conspiracy, but I think you do a good job of entertaining both sides. But again, at the end of the day, the, the information and the evidence is so obvious of where, you know, things right. went, really went down. But like I said, you do a good job of of kind of uh, objectively doing the analysis until the evidence just becomes well, so obvious. What, it's like-
1: I mean, I'll tell you what I find is that people who think that, that Oswald did it alone, a lot of them really do have good command of the facts. Some of them have better command of the facts than than people that believe that, you know, there are others involved. Really? And what, 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 what I mean is just like a lot of people, people will say folklore or they'll say like the men who killed Kennedy, for example, they'll be like, they'll be like, well, then why did LBJ have this party? You know what I mean? Where all these people came and yada, yada. It's like, there's actually not a lot of evidence for that, (laughs) but there is a lot of evidence that, you know, all these records they have uh, regarding Oswald ordering the gun, the records. Right. So, so I'm just saying it's easy to, to be in the world of fantasy. Now, when you zoom, so, I like playing on the actual playing field because there's a lot of stuff going on with the actual records and, you know, specifically on that issue of the the gun records, they had the only only possible either Oswald did it or they were, the records were forged. That's it. Those are your possibilities. So like, but that helps you understand, okay, well, if you're sure Oswald didn't do it, then they must've been forged, right? Like, well, if it's not this, then it's that, right? If we, if we have a hole in the back of his head, we know it can't be Oswald alone.
0: Right. Right.
1: <laughs> so there you go. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, yeah, man, I'm kind I'm kind of rambling on, but that's that, no, those I'm are sorry. kind of the things that I have going on, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting season. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm changing up the format a little bit of the podcast in terms of um, doing. Uh, I used to have like 15 seconds of music as a buffer between sections. And I'm killing that and I'm going to just basically try to put as much music as I can throughout and then just go one to the next and just kind of I'll take music away for a while to have like a palate cleanser. But I'm just trying, you know, kind of trying to perfect the uh, the format and everything like that. Um, And another part I think is cool uh,
0: that you do is like in between, I don't know, every two or three episodes, you take people's comments and you talk about it and you have like a rebuttal episode. For things people might be challenging you on, or they might be affirming what you're saying, are you going to continue doing those those rebuttal episodes as you proceed with uh, season two?
1: I would like to. Um, It's getting a little out of hand on the emails. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I can only imagine. The shot came from the storm drain, dude. It was an ice bullet.
0: I can only. I mean, this subject gets down. It gets crazy. I'm sure.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's also like a numbers game. Like you know, when when I first started doing this, if I would get two emails a week I would be thrilled oh my gosh two people took the time to email me this is amazing <laughs> um but you know as the numbers went up I would go a couple weeks without getting back to it and I looked down I'm like man, there's 150 emails here that I haven't responded to it so what I do like I'm going to take in, before the season starts I'm going to take probably a half day and what I try to do is I at least document the issues and I'm going to have a a, a grand and rebuttals at the very end. So, so to answer your question, yes, I'm going to do that for this season. But the recap and rebuttals is only like valid if the people happen to hear it in the few week period in between when the episodes came out and when I record the recap and rebuttals. That's true. True. People are are finding out about this, sending in rebuttals like six months after I already recorded the episode. <laughs> so some some of them raise decent points. So I just. Like anything else, I just, you know, I have a document and I put it in there. And when it's all said and done, I think I'll come back to like the master rebuttals because I'm going to put a book out after season three. I want to have like the other side of like Vincent Bugliosi <laughs> is my goal. He's like Posner on steroids. <laughs> Posner on uh, steroids. He's he, I mean, he he, he is. He's, he's exactly it's basically case closed, but written in 2010. And rebutting a bunch of claims and documents that had come out since 93 like Mm. in that 70 that's all it is um but there's a lot of stuff that he doesn't rebut like okay here's one of the strongest facts um david mantic you ever heard of him i haven't okay he is a uh oncologist radiologist like some other he has some other impressive thing he does too but he's a smart guy, PhD. He's a doctor that studies uh, uh, X rays, um, and and basically, he went to the National Archives with his X ray technology, um, one of the, this thing called a stereoscope and a thing called an optical densitometer. Okay, and the stereoscope lets you see things in 3D to see like if any patches have been applied to the photo. He he used a stereoscope on the back of the original photos of the back of President Kennedy's head. This shows just like, hey, the back of his head's all tear in the back of his head, no problems, right? And he said uh, everything else was in 3D, but that section was 2D, which was clear that a, a mat, like a photo, a mat had been applied.
0: Mm. Like they, they, that,
1: was, that was obvious to him. And then the next thing is he used the optical densitometer, which looks at an X-ray to measure the the uh, basically the the brightness of the of the white of the bone to determine the density of the bone okay and and using that device he found that the bone in the back like the lower back right part of the president's head was 500 times more dense than the rest of the bone in his head in other words it was a it was a a, a like a mat like a transfer process you know what I mean? Like, oh, let's yeah. just here's this hole. Let's move. Let's put this in the hole. And look, it looks the same. Here we go. So, so this this is a claim by an expert, right? So in in law, if someone's an expert, it's called the Daubert standard. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, and there's basically four elements you have to meet to be qualified as like a legitimate expert, right? And this guy would be a, an expert under that standard, under a legal standard. So okay, what I would expect to see is a competing expert, right? We have that on the ballistics evidence. We have competing experts. I would expect to see a competing expert say, no, David Mantic's research is silly. Let me tell you why, right? So I look I look up Mantic in Vincent Bugliosi's book. And of course, it's on the CD-ROM. I got to pull up the rom converter so I can look at the CD-ROM. Uh, on the CD-ROM, he has two paragraphs about Mantic. And, and he spends the first paragraph praising Mantic, talking about all of his accomplishments and how smart he is. And the second paragraph, he just talks shit. Second paragraph, he's like, it's crazy that someone so smart, something so stupid, huh? Well, all these conspiracy people, even the smart ones are stupid. Like, that's it. Move on. I'm like, oh, my God. You didn't even attempt to rebut the substance. You just literally talk shit. So once I saw that, I was like, okay, well, I am team David Mantic until there's a competitor. There's no other candidate running in the in the field. And, so and that's always the biggest biggest today. red
0: flag in an argument when you know you have to report, resort to ad hominem attacks and not even address the substance right. of the issue. It's it's a wrap oh in my, my opinion.
1: Man, when I hear people, I, there was this doctor, somebody, some psychologist. He was talking to Posner uh, the other day on Posner, like he had Posner on his podcast. It was on Twitter, and that's how I I came across it, um, and. Basically, he was uh, he was going on about how people believe that Oswald, you know, people can't believe Oswald did it because Oswald was so small and so, so stupid. I hate that. I hate that. Somebody so insignificant.
0: Yes, I do. I fucking despise that argument.
1: No, it's because of all the evidence. You asshole.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, like, it, it, what, see, that, that gets it into – there's, a, there's huge articles written by, like, psychologists and, like, why conspiracy theorists are so flawed because they can't understand okay. why something so huge or somebody so huge can be taken out by somebody so significant. It's so fucking condescending, and I really despise that argument because, like you said, the evidence is so freaking glaring. Don't tell me I just can't wrap my mind around right. how something – come on, man. That's why I'd, Posner – I'm old, but if he wants to do a celeb—not that I'm a celebrity—let's let's box, dude. Let's—I mean, <laughs> I would box that guy. Oh, I've had heat with that dude for World. a hot minute. Anyway,
1: funny here's what's, dude. I got I got my my the most negative feedback I've gotten on Twitter. I feel like since I started the podcast uh, on Sunday. So okay, so I see Posner on this podcast, and my thought is, hey, this guy's saying all these things that are just going unchallenged that are not correct. Seven things, okay. So I tweet trying to basically argue with Posner. Okay, hey, here's these seven statements, and here's my counterpoints. You know what I mean? So that, that, that's that's why I tweet. I preface my argumentative tweet to Gerald Posner by saying, "I respect Posner." That's a direct quote. Oh my god, holy shit! I might as well have just like you know said like the most horrible things, <laughs> like people. So. So, you know, and I, and I, said, I said I've said i never spoken to him, but 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 I'd be happy to talk to him one day. So in other words, I'm trying to lay the groundwork for, like, a friendly, right, like a friendly communication with him just because I, I would like to talk to him and ask him questions about things, right? Like, how can your view be this, this, and this? And all, and all these people tell me that he's acting in bad faith and whatever, but he hasn't done anything to me, and he follows me on Twitter. Uh, really? And so – it's like he's seeing this, maybe maybe he'll debate me, maybe he'll engage with me. He hasn't yet because I DM'd. I tried to get him to. Do, oh, this will be fun. I'll come back to this. But long story short, people just they were like, you know, what what are you doing? Who are you associating with? Like, I'm not like just because I say uh, I respect someone, I guess people take that as like you respect, you think they're awesome. But I'm just saying like I respect you as a human. I, I don't like automatically hate you. And people didn't care for that. (laughs) They were not happy that I said that about Gerald Posner. (laughs) Well, and he puts
0: himself, I mean, granted, that book was however long ago, Case Closed. It's absolute garbage. If you run out of toilet paper, you can use it in an emergency situation. But he's in the field. He's on the field of battle. And (laughs) granted, he's talking all kinds of shit with nothing to really back it up. But I mean, from that standpoint of just engaging, I respect, you know, game recognizes game and shit. But granted, that doesn't mean what he's saying has any kind of veracity to it. And he can well, easily be shut down. Really. And
1: also, on show, and I've seen, I've seen him on. There's a show called Out of the Blank Podcast. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Um, I've been trying to get a hold of that guy. I don't know if he's not feeling what I'm doing or whatever, but he kind of, kind of, kind of ghosted me. But at any rate, <laughs> um, I saw Posner on. He he went on that show, and that that guy is like, I think he leans conspiracy. He doesn't have like a clear point of view, but I think he's on the conspiracy side of things for sure, and he Posner was very polite with him and like he wasn't a dick and I appreciated that so that's all I'll say that's that's it like I just saying like hey I don't think this guy's an asshole like that's a controversial statement for Gerald Posner if you have a JFK assassination podcast (laughs) (laughs) He, he just I mean he's just
0: one of those it's clear you know he's obviously a paid paid bullshit artist or maybe he does believe it I don't know but I mean he's He's been towing the line for the official story for a very long time, and I think it's just very—it does a disservice, man—to the to the evidence that we now know. For people yeah. to still be talking about single bullet theories, only three shots, all that other shit—I mean, it just it belies a, in my opinion, a way larger agenda. Like I said, just to maintain that official story. But anyway, enough about Gerald
1: Posner. The thing they say that I can't get my head around. The craziest thing that he was saying that I just truly didn't understand. The, you know, the CE-399 is like basically pristine. It's not perfect. The back of it's a little dented. But it's pretty yeah. much pristine, okay? Um, and then we have the HSCA, like, F-258, I think it is. Exhibit that shows the pictures of like, hey, here's the pristine bullet next to one that we shot into cotton, which looks exactly like the pristine bullet. And here's the, you know, the human wrist. And here's the the goat head or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, Um
0: That's Sarah Wet shit course, all day, dude. That's Sarah Yeah, Weck's.
1: those are like... Yeah, those are all mangled and everything. And so what he, his his explanation of how it could have gone through Kennedy, you know, hit Connolly's back, shattered his ribs, shattered his wrist, and then still had enough velocity going to his thigh and looked perfect. Because it slowed his, down. It slowed down, but if it slowed down, let's play. Set him up. Let's entertain your thesis. <laughs> yes. If it slowed down, how, how could it have maintained – You're saying it slowed down just slow enough to not be dented, but it still maintained enough velocity to continue to pierce the wrist, shatter the wrist, move on, and then pierce the skin of the thigh?
0: Yeah.
1: Bullshit. Complete bullshit. I mean, it's not... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, you know, I don't think you have to be a scholar to know that. That's
0: what, when I read that, when I heard about that, like years and years ago, I mean, that's what I had so much, because that's on its face just such bullshit anybody who has any understanding of ballistics and human anatomy and the understanding of what ha- like you said cotton wadding look at what it did with cotton wadding this bullet supposedly all right. did all this other shit and it comes i mean it's an insult it's an insult to our intelligence
1: well dude let me uh, i forgot what, what were we just talking about i said i was going to come back to it i don't remember i don't know oh, oh well yeah pa- um posner
0: we were <laughs> geeking on posner posner
1: yeah um i don't know oh well <laughs> But uh
0: uh You were talking about the site you were on, the the you wanted to debate him season. or the 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 anyway, the Posner was on some guy's show, he wasn't oh. being a dick to him.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Here's what I was gonna say to you. Um this thing with DiEugenio Eugenio uh that I have tomorrow in Cincinnati, it was supposed to be a debate, and I was supposed to moderate a debate between DiEugenio Eugenio and anybody who would take him on. It started <laughs> out as Eugenio versus Posner, but Posner wouldn't respond to my email, to my messages, even though he follows me on Twitter. So I gave up on him. And then, and then we reached out to every university professor within like a two and a half hour radius and, and offered them money and putting them up in a hotel and 0.0 of them were willing to debate James. (laughs) Wow. Really? Yes. So, you know, I don't know what that says, but I I think there needs to be a debate. I think we need to have like a real, like, so, uh, get in that game Uh, i'd like to to have a debate with somebody but the problem is everybody hates each other you know like there's there's kind of some bad blood uh over the years that people have been doing this for like 50 years and that's why like that's that's why i'm trying to be cordial with with people like general posner but. Like, we need to keep an open channel of communication so that we can talk to each other. Well, and that's good. I mean, I think, you know, you
0: catch catch more flies with honey than vinegar, and it's good that you are being very cordial. But again, this isn't one of those conversations like, do you like Coke over Pepsi? If you're on one side, if you're saying it's a conspiracy, you're talking about, you know, Huge, huge layers of cover up and malfeasance and all kind of criminal activity to right. cover up this huge, huge crime. So, I mean, not that I get why Posner wouldn't want to step in, you know, and try to get slayed like that. But anybody who's trying to defend the almost indefensible. I mean, I get it. I mean, especially now in 2023, how do you get up and it's great. You could easily write a book and hide behind that and hopefully people buy it or whatever. But when you get up on a platform in front of a live audience, especially in the Internet world, trying to defend something like that, that could go viral. Like that's a a tough that's a tough uh, that's a tough proposition. And I get why somebody wouldn't want that kind of smoke. But at the end of the day, somebody, you know, somebody come up and defend this shit because it's indefensible, really. (laughs) And that's why you're probably not going to get a lot of people, not a lot of takers to to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had a. Um, it's funny. I had a. What, my favorite uh, college history professor. Uh, I reached out to to see if anybody that could you know take the Warren report side, and uh, I I knew that that was what he believed also, and I was kind of like, hey, you know, I understand that you have a different perspective than me. That's cool. That's part of why I'm reaching out to you. Maybe you can help me find someone else that you know that would that would in this debate and his response was like mr crumpton there are some topics that are simply not worth wasting your time <laughs> blah, blah, blah blah just like the level and this is like my favorite professor of all of college like this guy had a band i would go to his shows like i was tight with this guy okay and last thing in our email exchange was me saying to him um uh i've never met someone who uh was so arrogant about a topic they knew so little about on purpose. Mm. <laughs> Good shit. You know, like, so it's cool. Like that's the only bridge I've so far over this. Um, and again, it's one I don't of know, those, there's it's... something weird about like university.
0: No, I mean, it's just such a third yeah. rail topic, dude. It's going to, I mean, this will be, we already are. I mean, nine 11. I mean, there's so many different conversations like right. this that nobody wants to touch because of the implications of understanding what really happened goes to the core of all of our institutions in our country. I mean this was this was lied yeah. about and covered up from uh-huh. the fucking Supreme Court justice down to the Dallas Police Department. And that's why people are like, ugh conspiracies, nobody could ever keep conspiracies under wrap. No, 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 no. That's not true at all. All you need is a few players involved to maintain a narrative and of course the media or to create the narrative and then the media to maintain that narrative. I don't care how many decades it's been, as long as that in that those institutions are in place to cover that shit up no one's the truth will never really come out
1: yeah the the easiest in the JFK assassination the glue uh the thing together is that people were told FBI agents you know starting from the Warren commissioners themselves uh they were told at the top like look if you look into this you you might find out about a little incident in Mexico City where Lee Harvey Oswald's Work, you know meeting with the cubans and you oh, know by the way the cia was, was saying, lbj knew this he didn't say uh, you know the 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 cia basically was saying someone was there that the jake or hoover says wasn't oswald and the cia was saying it was oswald so that probably would have tipped lbj off it something weird was going on it, the point of what i'm saying is you have lbj telling all these warren commissioners look we need you to go out there and come to the right answer for your country because nuclear war depends on it. Because if you follow this thing yeah. and it shows that there was a conspiracy with China or Russia, the American people are going to demand a, a retaliation that's going to lead to nuclear war. So that – if everybody knew like, hey, we're not telling the truth, but the reason we're not telling the truth is is because we're trying to protect it from a conspiracy finding to stop nuclear war, then that's easy. So – You know, and so if someone saw something kind of fishy, it would be easy for a good, reasonable person to write that off as, yeah this under wraps because it was really russia well you know it, what i mean yeah, like, and it gets into that the, even
0: earl warren said that. everything is everything is national security we can't talk about this because of national security yet yeah, no no it wasn't lee but it wasn't what you guys think it is we can't really get into this because of national security which is just such horseshit that's just a way to right. continue to obfuscate the truth and then you get into you know your, your date i don't know how much you get into it in season two but you're david Atlee phillips of the world you know the guy who pretty much ran the cia uh-huh. in the western hemisphere who was one of oswald's handler all this shit i mean it's This information is like way out there. But I do find that interesting that not only just the Kennedy assassination, so many other things like, yeah, this it wasn't the official story that we told you, but we can't get into it because of national security. Because, you know, you guys, the plebs just couldn't handle how deep this goes when, in fact, it's just belies larger fuckery and criminal activity from the top down. Dude, like I said, from your CIA, FBI, uh, Supreme Court down to the Dallas Police Department. In this case, anyway, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, that's what's the thing about the JFK chokeholds is we kind of lay lay out all the different things that have been definitively proven. Like, for example, the um, the the best chapter we have one on uh, uh, the obstruction of justice. So, like the the ongoing obstruction of justice over all the years, um, and you know, starting at the Warren Commission going up through the house select committee on assassinations the arrb you know the secret service burned files when the arrb started to collect them they they, they just went and burned the files it's crazy they do wow. whatever people do it. these agencies do whatever they want with no no recourse um the book all that chapter there's a lot of good stuff in the in the book there's stuff about prior plots uh the the chicago plots and the tampa plots
0: the Miami, what was it? Uh, 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 Joseph you Willie know, Willie Somerset and Joseph Miami Miltier plots. down in Miami. Yeah, they are on tape. I remember God uh, what uh, movie was it? It was the yes. um, the John Barber movie where they had tapes of those guys back in the day. The Jim Garrison tapes, I think it was, where they had recordings of Joseph Miltier and Willie Somerset talking about, are they really going to try and kill him? And you know, talking about the plot in Miami. But like you said, there's one. There was one in Chicago. There's been more. There was more than one. But getting into, regardless of what anybody thinks about Trump, you know, he was supposedly supposed to unveil and unlock a bunch of stuff. And, you know, obviously presidents, they run stuff, but they don't really, really run stuff. And from what I hear, you know, he said to Judge Napolitano, he was like, judge, if you saw what I saw in these fucking files, you wouldn't release it either. It's not about necessarily getting to the truth. Like I said, this goes to the heart of so many of our institutions if this truth is really revealed.
1: Well, yeah, and it's like, who could still be alive is one question. Yeah. Well, Ruth Payne's still alive. Person still alive. You know, we'll talk about her more this season. Um, but uh, the other person that could be alive is, um, you know, the guy that that killed Officer Tippett, whoever that is. The guy that was impersonating Oswald all these years. You know, all those instances. The sporting at ra- the shooting range and buying the car and, um, you know. Uh, Buy a, a Bolton Ford when Oswald was in Russia, buying, yeah. buying, ten, you know, renting 10 trucks or buying 10 trucks under Oswald's name. It's just crazy. And this it's wild. kind of,
0: in this, it, no, it's absolutely wild, dude. And this is shit that was going on in 1963 and, you know, prior to 1963, doubles, you know, shit like that. Like, I wonder. I, you know, I I interviewed uh, Judith Baker, Oswald's uh, yeah. gal, uh-huh. and, and you know she was in I mean, whatever. You could take whatever she says with a grain of salt, but it was just interesting to hear her talk. But it was you know obviously they painted Oswald as this patsy of sorts, but I wonder how much he knew. I knew, I know, I think he knew some fuckery was going on, but he couldn't say anything because he had kids and like we're gonna kill your kids, we're gonna kill your wife. I wonder how much he knew about all of the different. You know, your your fake Oswald, and how they were maneuvering him into the Texas School Book Depository. I can't imagine what he was thinking working there. I mean, he was working there for however long before Kennedy was shot. But once he heard Kennedy was shot, I I wonder if he was like, you mother. I think I said this in our first episode, the first conversation, like, you motherfuckers. He had to have known at that point, like, you guys just set me the fuck up. And that realization.
1: I I don't think that he knew at that moment. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you.
0: No, that's all right. I'm Um, just wondering.
1: only reason I would touch <laughs> know, Any
0: of the double stuff. Like the, all this stuff was going on behind him and he had no freaking clue. I mean, granted, you had your DeMoran shields and your pain were kind of moving him around, this and that. But while at the same time, you know, you got these doubles. Like you said, buying cars, doing all this stuff in his name and he has no clue about it. I mean, it, it's just crazy this whole, whoa, what a tangled web we weave. And this is 1963. He's got all this duplicitous action taking place.
1: I think so. You You would, let's say Oswald was framed, okay? he would have had to go to the Texas theater. Uh, someone told him to go there. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that's what that looks like if if he was framed. So he's still complying with what he's being told. So that, that, that's why I would say like, he may not have known, like he knew something was going on for sure, but he, but he may not have known. And that's the whole, like, was Oswald a CIA asset? Was he, was he FBI? That's kind of where that comes in. Um, And that's also where. Have you heard of uh, John Armstrong in the book Harvey and Lee?
0: I have not. uh, No, I'm thinking of Lee and Me, Judith's book.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay, so so Harvey and Lee. I'm reading it right now. I'll say this: it's so hard to find. Uh, It's always sold out everywhere. It's only available as a hardcover. It's like three hundred. I got one for three hundred bucks on eBay. Okay, like there's for whatever reason it's impossible to find. It's always sold out. Hmm. Um, He uh, he spent a month, uh, a year for like 20 years going to the national archives and just going through every document. Uh, this guy, John Armstrong, he's independently wealthy so he can kind of do whatever he wants. And, um, basically he, he put together, he, he found all these instances of conflicts in the document with, with us, Os- with Oswald's records, right? Like, Hey, he's supposed to be at this school. He's supposed to be at, junior high school in New Orleans for the fall of ninth grade. but why are there all these people who say that he was at Stripling Junior high school mm-hmm. in Texas at that time? And then it's like, well okay, where are the stripling school records? Well funny enough, we have the guy uh, we have the guy t- talking about how he gave those records to the FBI the next day. Why does the FBI know where Oswald went to school in ninth grade and why are they going to take all the records from that ninth grade school the day after the assassination?
0: Well, I think this gets back to kind of that civil air patrol, 16, 17 years old. I think that's where he kind of got recruited out of, if not the
1: Marines. So what uh, John Armstrong's theory is that – so let me say there's two things in Armstrong's book. One is research and two is theory, okay? The research is indisputable, and that's what I'm including in my podcast, okay? Right. And the research is just stuff like conflicting documents, like report card from eighth grade. that's in the Warren Report Volumes says that he was there for 78 days in the fall of 8th grade in New Orleans but he also has a report card uh, from public school 44 in New York that says he was there for the entirety of fall semester under, there as well. under the Not same possible. same name Can't be in two places at the same time. under the same, same name What same name and then and then here's where it gets fun here's where it gets fun So then Armstrong cuz he's got money and he's this is he's obsessed with this he wants to find it out he's like onto something he goes and interviews all the everyone he can find. He interviews literally everybody, okay? And he finds that there's two different people that look different that refer to themselves different. One of them refers to himself as Harvey, uh, and he's, like, tiny and scrawny. And the other one refers to himself as, like, big and strong. And he's, like, the biggest kid in the class. And it's a difference of, like, 10 inches. And we have multiple records, doctor's visits, like, school physicals. They show them at the same, you know same year, there's a ten inch discrepancy over and over again. So he kind of zooms in. He, he's embraced simultaneous, you know the exact timeline. and he calls it one of them Harvey and one of them Lee. The one we know from history is Harvey. It's the one that was arrested. That's the one that was shot by Ruby. Yeah, the one that uh, impersonated him and did all the impersonating of him. Uh, that probably killed J.D. Tippett. That's the guy that's sitting in that car, in Carl Mather's car. Uh, that's Lee, who then got on a, 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 a cargo plane and flew to an Air Force base with Robert Venson, this other this guy who... I mean, if, you're, if you believe all the witnesses that lay everything, everything is clear except for who the, the shooter was. I'm not saying you should believe every witness, but I'm saying there's enough witnesses for you to construct a story based on witness testimony
0: who was it um uh, i'm gonna mask her the first name aclela aclela clemens or something like that well yeah wasn't her wasn't her eyewitness that she saw
1: two witnesses uh, yeah yeah she saw a big she said the shooter was a bigger guy and the other guy was a scrawny guy um so yeah i mean it's the day of back to John Armstrong's theory, and I'm not his theory, but I do think that it d- deserves uh, analysis because it could be right. Okay. For sure. His theory is that on the day of the assassination, it's all about brown shirt, white shirt. Okay. <laughs> so Oswald, the one that we know and love from history, well, maybe not love, but no, uh, you could grow to love him. Maybe <laughs> anyway, um, directed with the brown shirt. He was wearing a brown shirt at the school book depository. Okay. But the guy in the wind people in the window say they saw a guy with a white shirt white t-shirt they didn't see a brown shirt the people uh, uh people said they saw a guy running out of the back of the school book depository look well, I was wearing a white shirt not a brown shirt um when Oswald's arrested he's got the brown shirt on uh all the tippet witnesses said the shooter had a jacket with a white t-shirt underneath it they didn't say there's a brown shirt. Now you can always say, "Well, the jacket was zipped up and it was obscuring the brown shirt." Or he could have taken off the, the brown shirt and but, left you know, the white how, shirt. Yeah, yeah. So, but the point is, there's a white shirt guy that's doing all the bad things, and the brown shirt guy is the one we get arrested. You know what I mean? Then, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe that's that may that might be um, grasping at straws. Well, no, I mean, again, it, this goes back. to, I mean, but I, what's very compelling? No, what's, what's very compelling about the Armstrong book is just the the documentary evidence. You know the stuff that's in the national archives—that's conflicting evidence. That's the heart of what I'm focused on, because that's right. you can't—it's suitable. It's not, you know, like so. So yeah, uh, that's a lot of that will come out, and um, it'll—it's—it's uh, it, going to be a fun season. And I'm—I'm uh, I'm finishing up uh, the episode that'll come out like December thirteenth today. So. There you go.
0: He's got a big day tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. But it's interesting. Like they said in JFK, man, they were putting Oswald together like a dummy corporation. Like all these different attributes of him doing this and this and this. I mean, God, going back from when he defected to freaking Russian, come back with a Russian gal like that. This never happens, man. There was just so much going on around this guy. And going back to we were talking about, you know, the multiple different attempts on Kennedy's life, um, you know, talking to Judith Baker. You know, she had said, you know, Oswald really loved Kennedy. He was kind of they had him by the balls because they made him do X, Y, Z because of the threat against his family. But supposedly, according to her, and I've heard it more than once, where he was he was the source of the phone call in Chicago or other places saying they're going to kill Kennedy. He was trying to tip people off. I don't know whether it was James Hostie or other different parts of the FBI or just somebody. They were trying to say what was going on because he knew he wasn't a stupid guy. Oswald, he was 20 early 20s, but he was a very smart motherfucker. And he, I think he started catching wind of what was happening, so he's tried attempting to alert people. I don't know how much that's true, because this is coming off of uh, Judith Barry Baker's. Oh, it's
1: it it's true that the FBI informant that that let them know about the Chicago plot's name was Lee. They don't they don't know anything else about him. Well, geez, of all <laughs> the names, of all the possible freaking names, really. I know, but that is true. Um, and that's a it's a fact. So, but. Uh, but yeah man, hey, I appreciate you having me on and um and yeah, tomorrow will be will be an exciting day. Hopefully they actually put me in this documentary and it's not embarrassing that I told everyone I'm in it <laughs> when I'm not really, but well, it's we'll going to
0: it's gonna, it's going to be what's going to be and you know, some one off documentary doesn't change the work that you've done and the book you're writing you've written and you know, who you truly are and the information you're trying to get out. I understand you know, people are always trying to, you know, malign people who don't necessarily fall into the certain narrative, but keep doing what you're doing, my man. I seriously, I'm I'm a huge fan, Matt Crumpton, and the documentary is JFK, What the Doctor Saw, and the book, I'm sorry, the book is called Help me out. what's the book and what's the doc- the documentary? and the book the is book called is
1: called the JFK the JFK assassination chokeholds
0: okay. and as we approach here, the sixtieth wow, I can't even believe it's been sixty years sixtieth anniversary of the death of the president that's still. Um, we're still trying to put the pieces together. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy this is the world we still live in. But, Mr. Crumpton, I definitely appreciate you, man, and I'm so looking forward to Season 2, Season 3, and beyond. It's Thanks, uh, Jeffrey.
1: I appreciate you, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. This has been Matt Crumpton. Shout out any social networking week we can find, your show, where can we be the best uh, one-stop shop to get into everything you're into?
1: Yeah, yeah. SolvingJFKPodcast.com. That's got all the transcripts and the citations. And I'm on... Uh, x which i'll probably keep calling twitter um, <laughs> good and, for you good for you and uh, uh facebook they're not as much and then instagram and tiktok uh too but really if you really want to talk to me twitter is where to reach me because that's like where I, I hang out on twitter tiktok and instagram are like not my native uh you know home <laughs> right
0: well i mean with something to promote like you do it's good to like kind of utilize all the different resources you know what i mean because like you, you definitely have a cool message and what you're doing is yeah sure is definitely useful hang on for a second before i hang uh before we shut down here i want to ask you a quick question but this has been matthew crumpton i so appreciate your time bro keep doing what you're doing you are absolutely crushing it even though it's been 60 years man this is still a very timely conversation for fuck's sake they just arrested somebody in the tupac murder and that's been almost 30 years so some of these unsolved crimes man (laughs) there's a lot of meat on this bone so I appreciate you appreciate your time thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode peace and so much love stay tuned there will always be more much love